The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Hey there, it's Gary Parrish. It's Sunday, March 28, 2021. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Ion College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me. And when I say it's Sunday, I mean it's technically Sunday, but it's essentially like really late Saturday night. It's 1.47 a.m. Eastern, for crying out loud. I've been in New York on CBS Sports Network all night. Norlander has been in Indianapolis at Sweet 16 games all day and night. Now we're done. All of Saturday's games have been completed, so we're here to talk through the first day of the Sweet 16. Let me give you the results, then we'll talk through it. The first game on Saturday, Oregon State upset Loyola Chicago 65-58. Shouts to Beaver Fever. In the second game on Saturday, Baylor beat Villanova 62-51. Shouts to Bill Henderson. In the third game on Saturday, Arkansas edged Oral Roberts 72-70. Shouts to Big Nasty. And in the last game on Saturday, Houston beat Syracuse 62-46. Shouts to Tom Pender. So now it'll be Houston against Oregon State in the lead eight of the Midwest region on Monday night, 7-15 Eastern, and it'll be Baylor against Arkansas in the Elite Eight of the South region on Monday night, 9.57 Eastern. Both games will be on CBS. It's America's most watched network. It's the network of stars. Dead leg. I believe you were in the building, correct me if I'm wrong, for all four games on Saturday. So give me your broad takeaway on what you saw, and then we'll get into each game individually. I was getting some... I was getting some like summer AAU tournament vibes, just kind of watching a game, hopping in a car, like Vegas style, you know, back and forth, back and forth. But it was good. Um, I, I want to say that Banker's life at 25% capacity was uh, not as crowded as I thought it would be. Uh, a solid vantage point there. Hinkle, uh, as always, is just terrific. Um, they need to have NCAA tournament games in that building on a regular basis. Has to happen going forward. Uh, I think like, will not happen going forward. It go needs to happen. Damn it, two-year-old <laughs> Tony but Hinkle. Will not. The memory of two-year-old Tony Hinkle demands it. Oh, by the way, quick side note as we roll here. So last night, it's like twelve thirty at night, and the guy—I'm presuming it's a guy—because I heard him cackling. He's got his TV so loud. It was. I mean, I was able to fall asleep, but I, I think I'm getting my revenge tonight. Quiet over there. <laughs> the the walls are not that thick, so I'm not gonna I'm not I'm not gonna whisper. And I'll try not to be too loud, but uh, dude, dude, don't complain to me about last night. I am living in Times Square. Do you know how loud it is at all at all? Th- like I'm I'm glad we're recording this late at night because up until about one a.m. there is somebody blaring music till one a.m. I mean loud. I'm on the 26th floor of a hotel and it's like the music's in my room 
We live such precious lives here. Uh, privileged ones, too, I know. But it's it's one thing to have, like, outside street noise. My man was locked in on, on I don't even know what, but it was, a, it was a problem last night. So this is the podcaster's revenge here. Games in those spots were really... watching Shallow Howl. <laughs> shallow Howl on TBS. Definitely not Shallow Howl. Don't even know why your mind would go to a Jack Black movie circa 01, maybe, I'm thinking. It's the first thing I thought of. Okay, very strange. Did go on a date and see Shallow Howl back in the day in college, though. Anyway, um... So it was it was very it's it's cool to be in in Indianapolis and get to go to all these games and ping pong back and forth my thanks to uh, David Warlock who coordinates stuff with the media to allow that to happen there um, and it's not like a simple drive like Hinkle is a drive it's about 15 to 20 minutes depending on how many lights you hit but from Banker's Life but uh, it w- it was cool they you know everyone was uh was 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 pretty fantastic inside of the venues in terms of protocols and but still like having like a good tournament environment that was really really cool and then Hinkle like Hinkle doesn't even compare to Banker's Life in terms of how close you are vantage point uh, environment and and just vibe of the arena that was awesome um, so I, I I enjoyed all of it it was a good. Parish, it was a good day. Not a great day for a Sweet 16, but it was good. And we got one really, really close game, which we'll get to. But that uh, overall just felt great to get back to seeing basketball live. I hadn't done it since Bubbleville, first week of the season. Um, but I, I, I did enjoy it. And uh, at the end of the day here, we had um, three favorites move on and one upset. I haven't been to a sporting event in more than a year of any kind. I'm aware. More than a year. Um. The, the byproduct of getting these games on Saturday is that we had four games, you know, one, and then we would watch the next one, and then we would watch the next one, and then we would watch the next one. Obviously, if this were a Thursday normal Sweet 16, we wouldn't get that. Do you like having four games in four individual windows and we're not splitting time here? I do. My opinion on it is influenced by the fact that I'm going to all these, so that's great but I'm also I mean uh, the game is done and I'm hauling ass out of there to get back to the next one like I wasn't there for the I got into Arkansas Oral Roberts and it was like 15 to 12 Oral Roberts so I was like okay this is this is something and they kept it interesting there I don't know if we'll keep this going forward if we do I don't know how they would do this on a Thursday Friday schedule you know they're not going to put a sweet 16 game on at 2 15 in the afternoon on a Thursday that's just not no. what they're going to do so if they if this were to continue they would have to adjust and say, okay, we're always going to have the Sweet 16 on Saturday and Sunday, and then we're always going to put the Elite Eight on Monday and Tuesday nights in primetime. Anything is possible. I kind of think that they're going to go back to the way that it once was, but I would be fine with this. The standalone Sweet 16s is cool for also, like just for the schools that might you know get to this point and then they're out in the Sweet 16, to have that standalone TV window is a pretty good thing. I'd like for them to repeat it. I think, though, they will go back to the way it used to be. I like it the way it is right now because I liked having f- all four games back to back to back to back on Saturday. We'll do the same thing on Sunday. And then on Monday, again, we're just b- double header. And on Tuesday, double header. The issue becomes if we go back to a normal routine where these games are being played all over the country, you've got teams that then have to travel to the Final Four from their Elite Eight game. And usually those teams go home in between the Elite Eight and the Final Four, and now you'd have a team waking up on Wednesday still at its Elite Eight location, and you've got your practices at the Final Four on Friday. So um, that's probably, if they go back to the old schedule, it'll just be from a calendar perspective. But in terms of a a viewing perspective, I like it the way we're doing it this season. Let's get into each of the uh, Saturday Sweet 16 games uh, specifically. But before we do it, uh, let me make sure you know how crucial it is that you go download the CBS Sports app. These NCAA tournament games, they're on multiple channels. 
channels. It can get a little confusing sometimes, but it doesn't have to be if you get the CBS Sports app. You can get it on your connected TV. You can get it on your phone. And when you do, you're going to see every tournament game that's available to watch, whether it's on CBS or March Madness Live. The app is a gateway to all of the action. So if you haven't done it already, and if you haven't done it already, shame on you. But if you haven't done it already, go download the CBS Sports app to make sure you never miss a minute of the NCAA tournament. Okay, dead leg. Let's discuss Saturday's four games, starting with the first one of the day. Oregon State's win over Loyola, Chicago. Were you surprised the Ramblers struggled so immensely on offense? Yeah, to that extent, Parrish, I was surprised. That was, I think they started four for 24, and there was only one made basket by a by a non-Crutwig on Loyola for the first 20 minutes. And that's really, there were a couple of things that decided the game there. That was one of them. They just got into too big of a hole in the second half of the first half. Loyola Chicago had an opportunity early on when Oregon State had like three points through the first eight, eight and a half minutes or so. Opportunity gone. That combined with Oregon State for the second straight game, was tremendous from the foul line, which certainly, like, it helps big picture. Like, it, it was the difference between maybe this being close to a tie game and Oregon State still keeping it, uh, you know, two possessions for most of the final few minutes of the game there, GP. But it, it made 18 of 20 in this game. It made 32 of 35 against Oklahoma State, did Oregon State. So those things have been major factors there. And then, you know, Loyola was just... Uh, Brutal from beyond the arc. Uh, it got a couple of buckets late to keep, to get it interesting, but five of twenty three uh, came back to bite them in a significant way. There, this was a, never a, an elite three point shooting team. It was just okay. Uh, it, it couldn't capitalize, and uh, it was a heartbreaking scene. You know, which we see a lot of the time. I get all that, but from my, I wasn't watching on TV, so I just was watching from my press seat, looking down on the sideline there. And really seeing, you know, Crutwig and Williamson more than anyone else, because those are the seniors that played in the Final Four, you know, come to terms with this potentially being their last game. They actually get the bonus year, so if they wanted to come back, they could. I don't get the sense that they necessarily will. But you never know. Either way, it's a heartbreaking way to go out. Congratulations to Oregon State. Congratulations to everyone that felt the need to, to tweet at you and me and say beaver fever on that ass or whatever. Like, just the tweet. The torrent that came in, we damn well deserve it. Fair enough. Oregon State, second 12 seed ever to get to the Elite Eight, joining Missouri of 2002. Yeah, man. Beaver Fever's on one tonight. I know he is. I know he is. Oregon State was awesome. And, like, they've been awesome. I went and looked this up. Um, On the morning of the start of the Pac-12 tournament, Oregon State was ranked 103rd at Ken Palm. 103rd. Six games later, they are up to 43rd. They have improved by 60 spots at Ken Palm in a six-game winning streak. Like that, I don't know that like I'd let Kim speak to that, but I, I know it's not normal. I don't know if it's like unprecedented, but jumping 60 spots in a span of six games is is outrageous. But you know that that's what Oregon State has done in the six-game winning streak that's allowed them to get uh, to to the Elite Eight. For uh, Loyola Chicago, it was just. 33.3% from the field, 21.7% from three. It was a season-low field goal percentage. They shoot 50.4% from the field on the season. That's what they were entering this game. And then they go 33.3. It's a season-low. The previous low was 
0.1% in a loss to Drake. And it would be one thing if we didn't just watch him shoot 51% from the field against Illinois, which is top 10 in adjusted defensive efficiency, according to Ken Palm. Oregon State is on one right now. I got it. But they're still 63rd in adjusted defensive efficiency. And they just, Loyola Chicago could do nothing against them. So Oregon State wins 65 of 58, and they are in the Elite Eight. For Loyola Chicago, we wait to see what happens with Porter Moser. He was asked about it in the postgame, needless to say. Didn't really say much about it, needless to say. But, um, you know, I, I do I do know that Indiana is at least interested in him. I, I'm not sure he is the primary target, but I've been told by multiple sources over the past 24 hours that um, he, he is somebody that, that they are doing their due diligence on. So, you know, we'll see where that goes. The second game on Saturday – was Baylor Villanova. The Bears were down at the half, but they won by 11, 62-51. Did you ever think Baylor was in real trouble of getting eliminated from this bracket? Like in this round specifically? Yes. Um, I did, I did think it was more of a question once we got into halftime. So this was another one. I didn't get there for the start of the game. I get there... Uh, weirdly enough, uh, Demir Cosby, Roundtree, and Colin Gillespie, they're in the mezzanine level. I don't know why they weren't with like their team down low, um, but it was kind of uh, it was just kind of a weird side. As I'm walking to my press seat, I'm like, "Is Colin Gillespie just chilling with his his tender MCL there, sitting on the on on the second level here?" Um, but so it goes. And so when I when I got there, I was like, "Well, damn, they're doing a pretty good job." But then Baylor went Baylor in the second half. I did think, okay, Jay Wright's got a shot here. I did ha- I did entertain that thought. Uh, I don't know how you know it was coming off when you were watching from the studio and all that stuff, but uh, certainly when we got to halftime, GP, I thought, okay, well, we'll see what the first few minutes of the second half look like. But clearly, Villanova can do this. Well, like at halftime, you know, you, you get a, a live line. We talk about these all the time on CBS Sports HQ. I, I think it was, you know, basically you could get Baylor to win for even money, just win the game, it was something right around that. So at that point, uh, according to odds makers, it was a it, it was a total toss up situation. But as you put it accurately, Baylor went Baylor in the second half. They outscored Villanova 39-21 in the final 20 minutes. Now, that's awesome on multiple levels, like to score 39 against Villanova in a half great uh, to hold Villanova to 21 and a half. Great. And Baylor's done this multiple times uh, since it came off a of COVID pause. First game back, you know, they were down at the half against Iowa state outscored Iowa state 45, 35 in the second half won the game. They had a game earlier this month. They outscored Texas tech 54, 41 in the second half won the game. And they obviously did it. They, they just, they started turning Villanova over, you know, the, the Wildcats only averaged eight turnovers a game. They committed 16 in this one. And it's pretty remarkable that you can beat a team like Villanova even without Colin Gillespie while going three of 19 from three. You know, Baylor is the now second best three-point shooting team in America at 40.8%. Um, so they're going to make them at a good rate more often than not, but they did not make them at all against Villanova, and yet they were still good enough, largely because of that defense and those turnovers. They were still good enough to to win by double digits in, in advance to, to, to the third elite eight of Scott Drew's career. Davion Mitchell looking like a young Vinnie Johnson from back in the day, man. Former teammate of Terry Teagle. Good stuff there. By the way, I got to share a little anecdote here. I was uh, getting I was getting some food real quick before this game earlier today, and as I'm walking out, I get uh, Matt Norlander, and I'm like, oh, boy, how do these people know me? 
And who is it? It's none other than Ashley Hodge of Sikkim365, along with some some Baylor buds there, all of whom love and listen to the podcast. So my thanks to them. So we got to talk in Baylor hoops, and uh, he said, listen, you got to do me a favor. you got to drop some sort of deep reference to a Baylor player of, of, of years gone by. So I said, I, I, I said I'd work that in, and then we got to talking about the epic uh, Hoopsweiss-Baylor Sweet 16 thing uh, <laughs> on the back end. That, I'll, that'll be a secret track to drop in at the end of the podcast. It is one of my favorite moments in podcast history. But good on those guys. They were, they were, so, they were so kind with their words. It was, it was highly appreciated. Um, and it was just so funny because earlier in the season when Baylor lost its game against Gonzaga, I credited Ashley Hodge on the podcast. I said, great job by Ashley Hodge. She got it done. It's a, it's a man. <laughs> so he, we had a good laugh over that, but that was a nice little moment there. And congrats to Baylor for moving on here and giving Villanova uh, another House of Horrors game in Hinkle GP. I mean, Jay, Jay Wright's had one win, I think, in his last six trips there. And in all seriousness, like what I saw Baylor do for about a five-minute stretch in that second half it's that kind of stuff from between Mitchell, Flagler. Like they don't even necessarily need Jared Butler to be a first team All American. But would you, would you agree? Like when they flipped it, it's like this is why we want to see Baylor versus Gonzaga in the title game because if Baylor can sustain this for more than twenty five minutes in a game, it can beat Gonzaga. It was able to show that, and in the process, give Villanova one of its you know from a points per score perspective one of its poorest tournament games in a long, long time. So we're going to get to Saturday's third game, Arkansas Oral Roberts. We'll do that next. But first, check this out. Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. So the third game on Saturday was Arkansas or Roberts. Razorbacks won it 72-70 on TV. Max Aceman's shot at the buzzer looked good the whole way until it wasn't good. Did it look good from your perspective? <laughs> it did. It did. So I'm at so just from my perspective, my press seat is directly behind the basket on Arkansas side of the floor. So I saw the inbound from that way. I saw the play uh, develop with uh, Ace Miss coming around the corner and getting it on the run. And it's one of those things where, like, instinctively I just stood up because it looked online. Now, I didn't have the perfect line on it, but I, I was... It, on TV, we had the perfect line on it. I mean, and it looked... I'm sitting there, and it, like, almost felt in slow mo motion. Like, I, 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 like yeah. I was, like, caught up in it. I was like, oh, this looks good. I thought it was over for the Razorbacks. One of, one of those, those precious moments, though, where, like, I agree with you. Like, it just... Your brain thinks that it's taken about a, a second longer than it actually takes there. And for Ace Miss, who didn't have a wonderful 
successful night, uh, but they got the ball in his hands. He had to have it in his hands. The Arkansas actually did a good job of, of shutting him down for a lot of the second part of the second half there. But Paul Mills drew up a nice little action to get it in his hands. Plenty of time. It actually looked like something, and I wasn't able to uh, listen in on the post game, so I don't know if anyone even thought to ask Mills this question or not. Uh, if they did, then uh, kudos. I wonder how many times they had run that, either in a game or in practice. That looked extremely clean. Like, they, they knew what they needed to do, and it was, like, you got to hit that right on the money, just the right amount of steps, right amount of dribbles, get it up in time before the clock expires, and it just doesn't fall. If that shot falls, it's one of the better shots of the tournament in the past 10 to 15 years. Not, not only because of the degree of difficulty, but it's like Bryce Drew level that side of the floor. Uh, not the same kind of play exactly, but, you know, the momentum carrying him to that side, and then you have a 15 into the Elite Eight for the first time ever. They almost had it. And, you know, Arkansas, credit to the Razorbacks for getting the win, no doubt. I felt like for a lot of the game, though, they weren't taking they weren't taking ORU seriously, in all seriousness. Like, that, some terrible shots, bad lobs. They won it because they wound up uh, converting on the offensive end with rebounds and rebounds. And a couple of clean, super clean looks for Oral Roberts just did not fall. So, the Hogs earned it, but they kind of did get lucky here. They... they they were able to get just enough shots, and then they didn't have the one-shot fall for Oral Roberts on the other side. That was the game of the day, and you couldn't ask for more than that. Uh, I maintained the whole week that I thought Oral Roberts was going to give them a real push here, uh, and, and that wound up being the case. And credit to Mills and that staff and A. Smith and Kevin O'Banner for, for just that's – if you're not going to make an Elite Eight, that's about as great as you can do from a mid-major perspective. You have the ball in your hands with the shot to win the game, and you two more inches, and we're leading the podcast with that. It's a different story. But nevertheless, a really great March Madness story nonetheless here in 2021. We actually talked about this heading into the Oral Roberts-Ohio State game because sort of one of the go-tos during the season was Ohio State's too little, but then Oral Roberts actually smaller than, than, than Ohio State. And they rank 334th in the country in defensive uh, rebounding percentage. They are a terrible defensive rebounding team. So it's not surprising that Arkansas just ate them up on the offensive glass. They got 18 offensive rebounds. The Hogs did on 48 missed shots. Offensive rebounding percentage, 37.5. If that was their season average, it ranked fourth in the country. That's how awesome they were. And it allowed Arkansas to get 16 more shots in the game. So even though the Razorbacks were not good from three, when you get 16 more shots than your opponent um, in a tight game, like that can be the difference in the game. And it, it, it was here a two point game. You got 16 more shots than your opponent with Asmus. Uh, I, it, I wouldn't even put 10 to 15 years on it. If he makes that shot, it's an all time great NCAA tournament moment because of the context. Yeah. First off, little guard who led the country in scoring, but nobody could pronounce his name two days ago. <laughs> all right. True. Okay. And, and then he, he makes that shot to send a 15 seat to the elite eight. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. all it's all time. Great stuff. You're correct. I, and I, it I, looked like it was going and it, and it didn't go. And after the game, you know, we, we carried some of the press comments on CBS Sports Network and, and Max was getting asked, you know, you know, some people are talking about you as an NBA player now or, or, or rather NBA players are talking about you right now. And it naturally led to like, you know, NBA, NBA, NBA. And I, I don't know if he can play in the NBA. He's, he's a very little scorer, not really a point guard, but like he's an awesome college player. How do you feel about this? This is not something we would have talked about two weeks ago. Is Max Aceman from All-American? 
Oh, man. We're going to have to debate that. Well, yeah, I mean, we will put out three. I'll, I'll tell you this. Like, when you said that, my mind went to first team, which is a no. But we put out three All-American teams, and I'm telling you right now, he's getting on my third team at, at minimum. He led the country in scoring and brought his team within a shot of making the Elite Eight. Yes, Max A. Smith will be on my All-American team, either Mine second or too. third. I'm with you on this. I mean, like, I think you can discount when he's scoring the way he scores in the Summit League for a team that's the fourth seed in the tournament. But when you watch him do it, against Ohio State, watch him do it against Florida, watch him do it against Arkansas, it becomes pretty clear this guy can score in any league on any team in the country. And so he is worthy. I mean, like when you lead the country in scoring and you take your team to the Sweet 16 and you perform against high major competition time and time and time again, then you you deserve everything you get. I'm with you. I will vote him as at least a, a, a third-team All-American. The final game on Saturday, Houston-Syracuse. Cougars win it 62-46. They're now 27-3. and Buddy Bayheim's incredible late-season run is over. It's over, and now Houston, uh, because of this win and because of Baylor's win, uh, credit to the NCAA for this note, uh, the last time we had two teams from Texas make the Elite Eight was 68 when it was Houston and TCU, and then the year before in 67, Houston and SMU made it. Those are the only two other times we've had uh, two teams from Texas get there, and now we will have that. We'll also have, I wrote a column on this uh, late into the uh, evening on Saturday, uh, we got a Southwest Conference revival here. I know GP was raised on the Metro. I, I was also raised on the Southwest. Well, no, no, no. You're bit. raised on one or the other. We're not. You're not taking credit for being raised on multiple conferences here. You pick one or you pick the other. You've claimed the Metro for years now. You suddenly, the Southwest Conference has three teams in the Elite Eight, making up 37.8 percent or 37.5 percent of this deal here. You got to claim one. Is it the Metro or is it the Southwest? The metro. I was I was raised. You on the were metro. raised on the metro. Thank you very much. Florida State Metro Conference. There we go. You still got. You still got. You still got time. You still got. We can. We can get into that on the uh, the late night Sunday pod there. But credit to uh, Baylor, Arkansas, and Houston, former Southwest Conference members. The league dissolved in 1996 when uh, the Big Eight became the Big Twelve. For Houston, Quentin Grimes, I I. I Care again? I'm pulling a U here because second I'm, team All American, probably. Yeah, yes, we we are in lockstep on this for sure. I can't remember if I said this on the pod or HQ, but I did say that his performance would wind up being uh, the most important in this game. And he did a lot of the little stuff. He finished with 14 points. Didn't shoot well necessarily, but if you watch the game. Uh, Justin Gorham played well as as well. There's no doubt about it. And Marcus Sasser. Like, Houston chipped in everywhere. It was the worst offensive performance in Syracuse tournament history. 46 points is a a program low there. Buddy Beheim only had 12. But for Houston, it's been something of a long time coming in terms of what Sampson has been doing here. So heading before this season... Uh, 22 wins in 2016, no NCAA tournament. 21 wins in 2017, no NCAA tournament. 2018, they get 27 wins, and they have the heartbreaking loss. Jordan Poole splayed out, buzzer beater, second round. 2019, they're a three seed that loses in the Sweet 16 with 33 wins. They were not as good last season as they were the season before that or this season, but they're still really, really good. And now, two seed, going to the Elite Eight, first time since Drexler and Elijah were on campus, and they have had the bracket break their way. Now, I'm not going to declare that, you know, their Elite Eight game is going to be a no contest kind of deal, 
but they are on the precipice of making history. There has never been a team before that has made the Final Four and only faced double-digit seeds en route to getting to the Final Four. 15th-seeded Cleveland State, 10th-seeded Rutgers, 11th-seeded Syracuse, and now 12th-seeded Oregon State awaits the Houston Cougars, who, as we speak right now, boast the number eight offense and the number six defense, according to Ken Palm. They were terrific in a just ugly game that was up and down officiated, but the right team won. Syracuse goes home. Houston revival in full effect. Yeah, like I mentioned on CBS Sports Network, like Buddy Bayheim just didn't all of a sudden get bad. They made him bad. Three of 13 from the field, one of nine from three. Syracuse shoots 28% from the field, 21.7% from three, scored 46 points. That was a really impressive performance from Houston. And don't ever forget, I know Houston's a two seed, so they're, quote, supposed to be here. But they're a two seed despite losing their perceived best player midseason, Caleb Mills, the preseason AAC player of the year. I submit that there's no other team in the country outside of maybe Gonzaga that could lose its best player or at least perceived best player and still just end up exactly where you always thought they could be. Um, Houston is an incredible story from where it was when, when Kelvin got it to where it is right now, from where it was on the day Caleb Mills left the program to where it is right now. And, you know, who, who knows if they'll actually, you know, get to the final four, you got to win one more game. But as you said, they're playing a double digit, double digit seed and that, on a surface level, it's supposed to make it easier than, than it normally would be. We're going to pick the games here in a second, dead leg. But first, say whatever you need to say. Well, I want to tell you about the all-new Stitcher podcast app, GP. You know, it's been rebuilt from the ground to make it easier to listen to podcasts on the go or on the revamped web player they have. Stitcher is home to all of your favorite podcasts, from classics like My Favorite Murder. I know that's a favorite of yours for sure. This American Life and How Did This Get Made? All the CBS shows, such as Fantasy Baseball Today, Pick six podcast with our boy Brinson, who was hating on Bayheim left and right, and, of course, your favorite us, me and GP, Eye on College Basketball. That's all available on Stitcher. So in Stitcher, you have more control, like setting your download preferences per show and the ability to listen at virtually any speed. Have you ever tried to listen to me and GP on three times speed? Sounds phenomenal. Give it a, give it a go. Let us know how that goes for you. With Stitcher, you can listen to your podcast anytime, anywhere. So give the all-new Stitcher a try. Download it in the App Store or at stitcherapp.com backslash download. Let's preview what we got on Monday, a pair of Elite Eight matchups. 7.15 p... Are we picking them? We're going to pick them like... I need a... I need a, I need a uh, Record update. There's no shot I have a record update for you. I need a record update. No chance. You made me go to bed with no record update. I got, I got no record update for you right now, my man. It was. It was we got a. We had a lightning thunderstorm out here, I, hauling ass across the parking lot, getting into my car, driving through a storm to get back here, file a column, podcast with you. I got zero records for you. It, it's so nice here in New York City, man. I went for. I just went for. I went for two walks today. Just because I just wanted to be outside. It was so nice. Just put my mask on and walked around the city. Beautiful here. Can't wait till you get back. Monday, 7.15 p.m. Eastern, Oregon State against Houston. Houston has opened as an eight-point favorite inside Lucas Oil Stadium. You'll be able to watch it on CBS, America's Most Watched Network, Network of Stars. All Elite Eight games. So the rest of the tournament from the Elite Eight on will all be played in Lucas Oil Stadium. Uh, eight points, you say? Eight. I can't take Houston to cover eight in this spot. Not after what Oregon State's doing. I mean, what's wild here, credit John Wilner, the Wilner hotline. I think you should change your handle to the Parish hotline, by the way. 
Make it the Parish Hotline. What do you think? I'm just gonna, <laughs> I'm just gonna be Gary Parish CBS okay. for as long as I keep getting contracts. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> uh, John Wilner said he tweeted this uh, like almost a week ago. If UCLA's Jules Bernard had made both free throws with three seconds left in the Pac-12 quarters, I know you were up and watching that, no doubt about it. We would never have even heard another word from Oregon State. Instead, he missed one. The game went to OT, and the Beavers have been unstoppable since. Beaver. Fever, fever, fever. I'm a believer because this line is it's too big. It is borderline disrespectful to the Oregon State Beavers, which have risen 60 Ken Palm spots. They're up to 43rd with that zone defense that they threw at Loyola. Oh, man. I'm going to take Houston to win. But Oregon State getting eight, plays slow. Wayne Tinkle, tinkling. How can you not love it? Both these teams have, you know, I, I I don't think either team's getting a 70 here. So I'm going to take the Cougars to win, but the Beavers to make it interesting. And then Houston will get back to the final four for the first time in almost four decades. No, no, no. This line too little. Line too little oh, situation. Oh, boy. The only team that can play Houston close right now is Memphis. Nobody else can deal with the Cougars. Just the Tigers who are on the verge of an NIT title. No one realizes this. I had no idea. Memphis is still playing in the NIT right now? Dude, they're in the championship game on Sunday against Mississippi State. It's my home state against my alma mater. I mean, are we doing a special podcast about this? Dude, Memphis is up to 32nd at Kimbom. They're like legit good now. <laughs> they just had, they just didn't have an NCAA tournament resume. They, could, they, they couldn't get in. Too little but too like, late. Like Memphis would be favored over Oregon State tomorrow. Instead, they got to beat Mississippi State. That's that's a tough deal, right there. I normally, yeah, that's 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 tough. So you're you you are actually thinking this line is too little. Line's too little. Only team that can play Houston close is uh is Memphis. Oh so yeah, Houston minus eight. They win the game by eleven. My sworn enemy is now Beaver Fever. Yeah, I know. I was about to say Beaver Fever is going to be on that ass again. Beaver fever been on my ass for about two weeks now. Okay. <laughs> oh man, people tweeting at people tweeting the beaver and like the the red face emoji at us instead of even using the term. You're just you're all. I wonder. Too I wonder if because if I remember correctly, the, the like the the name you see when they tweet at you was Beaver Fever, but yeah. that wasn't actually the handle. It no. wasn't like at Beaver Fever. No. It was at something something, but then it showed up Beaver Fever. That's right. So I wonder if Beaver Fever even knows that that he or she could be a she is a star of the uh, Ion College Basketball Podcast, just like Larnell. The story is better if they have no idea this is actually happening. That's my... Beeper, Beeper yeah. fever is my sworn enemy now. So I will take Houston and I will lay those eight points enthusiastically. Monday, 9.57 p.m. Eastern, Arkansas, Baylor, inside Lucas Oil Stadium. You can watch it on CBS, America's Most Watched Network, Network of Stars. Baylor, minus seven. Dude, how awesome is Baylor that they're a seven-point favorite over a really, really good Arkansas team? That's a that's a line right there. That's a line. These teams have met only twice in the past like three decades, and it was more than a, it was more than a decade ago. They met in like 08 and 09 or something like that. It's in the column. Feel free to read it to, before you ramp up with Sunday Sweet Sixteen games. I'm, uh, I will take. 
I'll, I'm going to make a pick here, and then I'm going to forget it when I get asked to make it again for the site on Sunday. That's a mortal lock. I will take... I'll take Baylor to win and cover in this spot. I don't need Eric Musselman calling me out in the post game, but I'm gonna have to take Baylor. Gonna... Stop right now and and explain why you think this might be a coaching mismatch. No, I'm not saying that. You could get into Muss's post game zoom. You just gotta lay it out there. Uh, no, I'm not. I, I'm not getting into the post game zoom. Arkansas has won two straight games by two points in the closing seconds, essentially here. So. Man, I'd love if this one was real close, just just for those old Southwest Conference days. You know what I'm saying? But I will take I will take Baylor, and I will take Jared Butler to have a better game here than he had on Saturday. Arkansas, you've done a you've done a wonderful job to this point. And if Arkansas made the Final Four, that in and of itself would be a phenomenal story. If Musselman does that in year two, I mean, he is ahead of the pace. But I will go with Baylor. Scott Drew in his 18th season. At Baylor, his third Elite Eight appearance, the previous two in 2010 and 2012, when Baylor lost, it lost to the eventual national champions. And I think this year, it's either going to lose again to the eventual national champions, and that being Gonzaga, or it will be the national champion. Bears move on. I think I was at the 2010 one. I think I was at Scott Drew's first Elite Eight game. That was Duke. I think I was there. I think I witnessed that in person back when I used to go to sporting events. You have no idea. You have no memory of it. I think I, I feel like I was there. I feel like I could. You could prove it on Google. Type in Gary Parish in 2010 and Elite Eight and Scott Drew and Lake Darius Dunn or there whoever played on that team. I don't even know. I, I'm going to take Baylor to win, but I, I think Arkansas. I, I'll take the points. You know, Baylor to win the game. Arkansas to cover. Um, from CBS Sports Network research, Eric Musselman now has five NCAA tournament wins in his career two at Nevada when he went to the Sweet 16, and three in this tournament at Arkansas. And in all five of those wins, he has trailed by double digits at some point in the game. So if you're an Arkansas fan, don't freak out if you get down by double digits. But that said, I wouldn't get down double digits to this Baylor team because they this is a different level of, a different level than anything else you've dealt with all season um, you get down double digits to this team you, you might stay down double digits to this team and by the way i got so excited at the end of um the baylor game on saturday as the clock is winding down jim nance is on the call and he says and baylor is now something along these lines and baylor is now um just one win away from getting back to the final four for the first time since 1950, and I was like, come on, Jim, say, say it. it. Say his name, Jim. Say his name. Did it happen? No. <sighs> Bill Henderson is his name. Bill Henderson coached that team, and he coached the 1948 team. Bill Henderson's got two Final Fours, and nobody puts respect on his name. Well, because he was sub-500. He might have been a terrible coach. We never really talk about that. He, <laughs> It's unbelievable. <laughs> sub-500 Career record, two Final Fours. All I know is we've been talking about Baylor on this podcast in one way or another for like six years, and we are one win away from having all of that nonsense validated. Dude, I ordered I ordered a 1981-82 Baylor basketball schedule that's got Terry Teagle on it. <laughs> I bought it. I found I, it. I found it. Of course that was available on eBay. Okay. You ever wonder what I do when I drink late at night? 
start looking for Terry Teagle stuff. Schedules. Paraphernalia. <laughs> I did. I wasn't specifically looking for a schedule, but I was looking for something. I wanted to. I just got. I just. I just poured a drink and I said, "You know what? I'm doing tonight. I've worked hard enough today. You know what I'm doing the rest of this night? I'm searching for Terry Teagle items to purchase. And I found a 1981-82 Baylor schedule. It's got Terry Teagle on it. I bought it and then immediately went to Amazon and bought a frame. I can't wait to get home that's, and just frame my Terry Teagle stuff. That's gonna be good stuff. I like it. I like it. <sighs> Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry and Meffin Teagle. He's a legend. Shouts to Larnell. And thank you guys once again for listening to the Island College Basketball Podcast in the middle of the dumbest pandemic my lifetime. Jesus, Lord, I ain't never seen one like this. Norlander, you want to ask me to list all the things I can do once I get to Indianapolis on Wednesday? Go ahead. I can go to my room and I can go to the set. That's it. Or I can go for a walk. To, to get exercise. We're not allowed. We can't do anything else. I cannot go to restaurants, outdoor dining, indoor dining. I can't see you. If I get, if I get caught seeing you, oh, really? if I get caught seeing you, can't. I will be in violation of CBS sports protocol. Can't I will we, be, can't I will be, I will be subject to disciplinary action. If I even, if I even see you face to face. What if we're walking on separate sides of the street and we just happen to be walking at the same time? There we, we might go. be able to pull. We might be able to pull that pull. off. But we can't gather. I'm a fully vaccinated man. I still can't gather with you. I ain't never seen one like this. I didn't. I didn't know this was gonna be like this. You know. I, I Times Square, 2010. We got these variants. Good Lord, I'm looking forward to getting to Indianapolis. I won't see you. <laughs> I can't have lunch with you. But we can like we can get on Zoom. We'll just know we're in the same city. That's special. This one got. This one caught me off guard. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, and we will. Good Lord, we're going to do this again tomorrow night. We really are. We'll talk to you again in about, I don't know, probably around 145 Eastern. Till then, take care. Okay, as promised, if you stuck around, if you have podcast listening discipline and you were paying attention, I told you I was going to put something special at the end of this specific episode because it ties to none other than the Baylor Bears. So this would have been, I think, four years ago. Pardon the audio quality being different. We were using much different equipment then. I don't even think I can properly set this up. I don't remember what we were talking about. All I know is I was looking at Twitter in the middle of a parish rant on who knows what, and I lost it, and it has to do with Baylor, Sweet 16s, a legendary college basketball writer, a typo in a tweet, and one of the truly special moments in podcast history. And I know we've, we've had a lot of new listeners this season, last season, so there are many people who have never heard this before. Here it is. The mid-episode Baylor Meltdown, inspired by none other than the legendary Dick Hoops Weiss. Baylor's going uh, to the Final Four. Um, but outside of those teams, like Wisconsin struggled uh, down the stretch. Florida struggled down the stretch. South Carolina struggled down the stretch. I think, you, I think they all, leading into the NCAA tournament, lost more <laughs> games than they won over a, a certain amount of time. What are you laughing at? <laughs> As you're doing this. As you're doing it, I'm reading Twitter. <laughs> oh my God, Hoops Weiss, God bless him. He has a typo. In his... <laughs>
What happened? I don't know why I find this so funny. <laughs> what did Hoops do? I'm looking for it now. I don't see it. He tweeted this like 30 minutes ago. Baylor has been... <laughs> oh, my God. I don't know why I find this so funny. <laughs> I hope this is hilarious because otherwise it's going to be disappointing. His tweet is Baylor has been... <laughs> I can't even get through it. Oh. Baylor has been to 14 sweet 16 since 2010. <laughs> oh, hoops. Oh, my God. Oops. Baylor is so underrated. Then the replies are amazing. Oh, God. I'm losing it. Hoops is the best. You know what? It's a simple typo. What are you going to do, you know? You'd like? To, is it still up, though? Like, if you make that kind of error, like you should. That, is. Why is it still up? Why would he do that? Let me go look at this. I want to see it with my own eyeballs. Uh, okay. Oh, my God. It's All the right. most underrated program. Better has been the 14 Sweet 16 since 2010. That is amazing. I mean, listen, when you think about it, that is amazing. It's just incredible. Oh, my God. I've been saying for a while. <laughs> That Scott Drew doesn't get enough credit for the, re- job, for the job he's done. I'm retweeting this right now. It's too amazing. And I think this uh, is I think this is the the most obvious example. Like, do people realize? <laughs> do people realize Scott Drew's been a 14 since 2010? Absolutely not. And you know what? It's a freaking damn shame. And I'm pissed that Drew doesn't get more due because you cannot name me one other coach name or coach. one other program. There's been a 14 Sweet 16 since 2010. No. Like, listen, oh, Mike Krzyzewski's the GOAT. Really? Really? <laughs> How many Sweet 16s has he been to since 2010? Is it is it fewer than 14? Because if it is, he ain't Scott Drew. <laughs> Man, like, I, hoops. You can't just you can't just tweet you just can't tweet something like that. And walk away. He just shut, he just shut, he just tweeted it. He was like, "Oh, this is a great stat." Tweeted it and just walked away. He's eating dinner right now. Done. <laughs> poor, poor guy. He done with Twitter for the night. Hoops was like, I got, oh. "Hoops was like, I got one for you." <laughs> Baylor been a fourteen sweet sixteen since two thousand ten. Uh, close the computer, honey. What's for dinner? The GIF response to to one below with the Zach Galifianakis with the with the. Uh, the algebra and the equations, are you seeing that? Like, in the yes. response, it's so good. Oh, man, that's that made my day. It absolutely made my day. Oh, goodness. From the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles. Now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes!